0: On life. Hello, welcome to Lucas on life. Now imagine this you go to bed tonight at the end of what might have been a rather busy Sunday for you, but tomorrow you wake up years younger than you are today, and you don't need a back to the future style time machine, or in the case of the back to the future plotline, a DeLorean, and you don't need anti aging cream or corrective surgery. You just Have to wake up. Well, that's what's happening in South Korea this coming Wednesday. And it's happening to the entire population. Perhaps that sounds rather appealing. Certainly rather confusing. Let me explain. The country will ditch its ancient age counting system this week. Thirty somethings will drop back to their twenties, and middle age will be further on the horizon for many. On Wednesday, everyone in south korea will turn a year or two younger as a new national law kicks in that abolishes the rather unusual way that the country has calculated age for a very long time for centuries koreans inflated ages compared with the rest of the world everyone is considered to be aged one at birth And everyone gains a year together on january the first now maybe that sounds crazy but it's true what that means is that a baby born on new year's eve turns two after just one day but the new law is going to switch everyone to the international age standard which of course starts people at zero on the day that they are born koreans already born will get younger and use their birth to determine how old they are official documents will start using the international measure as well. This is really important in that culture because when kids bump into each other at the playground, many will ask each other their ages before their names. So let's talk about aging, getting older and the attitudes that we have towards what will come to us all if we're given the chance. Let's talk about getting old. People watching is one of my favorite hobbies. Give me a spare 10 minutes and I'll happily park myself on a bench somewhere and just watch the teeming world go by. Now, fear not, it's not voyeurism, but I do enjoy wondering about the lives of those nameless people as they walk by me. Who are they? And what are their hopes and their histories? What are their dreams? What are their stories? I look at the lines etched deep on their faces and wonder what circumstances drew those indentations. What laugh-out-loud moments of joy have been theirs? What horrible days of hopelessness and despair have they navigated? And where and what are they now? I know that as they stroll by in silence, their brains are probably buzzing. Tangible thoughts, must-do lists, and mushy, shapeless feelings, unquantified by words, are crackling around inside those strangers' heads. Sometimes their eyes betray just a hint of what is playing on the screen of their inner selves, the slightest whisper of pain, fear, pleasure, wistful thinking, wishful thinking. Did I read them correctly, I wonder? I will never know. Just lately, I've been noticing older people. By that I mean people older than me. I've looked into the faces of hunched-over old ladies, their red-veined faces gouged deep where they have frowned or smiled or cried. Some of them are bright-eyed, young in heart and face, the adventure still very much in progress. And some are now being greatly betrayed by their bodies, hunched over by bent spines, their walker laboured crawl, their watery blue eyes glazed against the cold. Sprightly old gents pass me, all smart and blue blazed a regimental badge worn with pride on their pockets, some with cloth caps, clip-on ties and walking sticks with rubber ends, blue rinse ladies with headscarves and wicker shopping baskets, and great thick coats. And I've wondered, just what on earth do these seniors think about today's world? Recently, a couple that looked like they'd been married for life crept slowly past my observatory bench. Just then, A gaggle of twelve or thirteen-year-olds brushed into them roughly as they strode by, their loud swearing banter staining the air. I saw the sad look in that old man's eyes. He sensed their disdain and their total lack of respect. He shook his head in defeat and resignation, and a fear that should never be permitted was written all over his wife's face. Perhaps they had known more than enough terror— being old enough to have walked through a world war. What must these veterans think of us? My generation has never known what it is to go to the railway station to wave goodbye to a uniformed husband or father and wonder if you'll ever see him again. We've not known the endless grinding struggle of economic depression. Peering fearfully through our fingers during the opening scenes of Saving Private Ryan, has been the closest that many of us have known to the searing butchery of war. We've not seen the death of hope and sanity that comes when people are forced to hack the lives out of each other on a battlefield. And yet, mine, a generation that, yes, is very much getting older, but it's also the generation of the great escape. Many of us have doled our miniature pressures with substance abuse— Materially, we have far more than the previous generation ever had, and we take it for granted too. Our toys, we feel, are our right. What do they think, those very much advanced in age, who marched to defend what rights they had, but many of whom lost great chunks of their youth or their friends? What do they think of us and our culture today? Sometimes the old can feel estranged, ignored, in our churches. For them, the music is too loud. The hymns that we have discarded that have been anthems of strength and hope for their journey, we've dismissed them. But when we dismiss those songs with a sneer and insist that they're just out of fashion, we refuse to embrace their choices and make our choices our obsession. Some of the elderly are not so much stuck in the mud, they're just wearied by our changes here to stay obsessions, and in some cases, they've seen all of our brilliant new ideas before, wrapped up in other packaging, and they're just not that impressed. So let's look again at that old boy whose nose and ears refuse to stop growing, and whose eyes are misty with memories. Tread gently around the widow who has lost her friend, companion and lover of 60 years. Do not slap her with, well, he did have a good innings. For her, the game ended far too quickly. And let's put the word codger away and stifle our giggles when Doris asks if we can please sing that hymn just once next Sunday. Week in, week out, she tries her best to get in step with our rhythm, hideous though it might sound to her. Are there irritating, crotchety, stubborn seniors about? To be sure. But look again past fluffy hats and flowery frocks, past well-worn check jackets and dribbling noses, past silvery hairstyles and ties worn for shopping. There are treasures to be found in older vessels, and they won't be here forever. It was one of those life skills that I never learned at school. School told me how many wives Henry VIII had, helped me to glean information about Australia's mining industry, and even taught me the French word for station. But nobody told me anything about something that many of us don't believe will ever happen when we're young, yet it does happen to every human on the planet if we have the opportunity. And that is how to grow older well. Lately, I've been lamenting this glaring gap in my education because despite my insistence that there's been a terrible mistake on my birth certificate, old, older is certainly what I'm getting. Others are noticing, and I've been observing it for a while. Actually, for quite a while. I was offered over-60s discounts in restaurants before I turned 50, and then one day a repairman came to our house, met me, and then later met my wife Kay and asked her to pass on a message to her dad, referring to me. My lovely and apparently youthful wife didn't correct the misunderstanding, but called up the stairs to me, "'Dad!' And then, one day, I walked into a clothing store, one usually frequented by younger men. As I pushed the door and stepped in, the pre-adolescent chap with skinny jeans that were probably impeding his circulation, he looked up and said, Hello, sir. Looking for something a little more trendy, are we? And then recently, when Kay and I checked in at an airport, a grinning airline person made the comment, So, travelling with your daughter today, are you? Hilarious not so finally conceding that the clock is not just ticking but racing i've been grateful for one man who has been something of a distant tutor when it comes to the skill of aging his name is james but for years everyone calls him shotgun i have no idea why he lives in oklahoma which may well provide a clue about the name shotgun He's 93 years old now and has lived most of his life without wanting Jesus to be part of it. When he was 12, he went to a church and he told God that if he was real, then he'd like to meet him. Nothing happened. He described the experience as being one of the most disappointing of his life. He walked out and decided to ignore God for the rest of his days and lived the rough and ready life of an oil worker, often drunk, getting into fights and occasionally thrown in jail. It went on that way for about seven decades. His wife was the love of his life, and so when they were both in their mid-80s, she announced that she thought they should go to church, and he agreed. A short while later, Shotgun's wife became very ill. He was granted a rare privilege. One night, they lay awake for most of the night, reminiscing, reviewing their lives together, whispering words of love. In the morning, He awoke to find that she was not in their bed. She had got up, made her way to the sitting room where he found her, sitting up against the couch, quite dead. Six months later, Shotgun walked into his pastor's study and said, I'm ready. They knelt down together on the floor, and Shotgun asked Jesus if they could reconnect. Reconnect they have, and the result is beautiful. I'm going to Oklahoma again soon and I'm looking forward to it but it won't be the same because Shotgun won't be there. He has business elsewhere and I'll really miss him. He's shown me what growing old, not just graciously but beautifully, what it can look like. Whenever we've met he's always brought cheer to my soul always tearful and tender. Everyone in his church loves him, and for good reason. He arrives for services early, and he makes them coffee. He's still full of questions, and he's still hungry to grow and change. But what's most noticeable about Shotgun is his kindness, which is just quietly outstanding. In short, he cares, encourages, serves, learns, But when I visit Oklahoma again, he's going to be away on other business. In heaven, actually. I recently got news that he had passed. But I talk about him in the present tense because shotgun still is. He's absent from the body, but present with the Lord. And if there's coffee in heaven, which surely there must be, he's probably serving it up right now along with that warm, winsome smile. I'll miss that smile, but not for too long. Good night, Shotgun. See you in the morning. Resurrection morning. And thanks for being a great tutor. May I grow older with grace and kindness and encouragement, just like you did. As we wrap up tonight's show, as we've been thinking about getting older, I'd like us to consider a challenge. First of all, let's think about how we think about ageing. In a recent interview, Harrison Ford of Indiana Jones fame revealed that he's now 80 years old. And Ford has a very different and refreshing perspective on getting older. He sat down recently on the show, Who's Talking to Chris Wallace? And the two spoke about his final role in the Indiana Jones series and what he hoped for his character. In the movie The Dial of Destiny, out everywhere this last Friday, Indiana Jones confronts aging in the film, and Ford had an ending in mind for the character that he's played since the early 80s, when he was half the age he is now. He wanted this latest movie to confront the question of age straight on, not to hide his age, but to take advantage of it in the telling of the story. Back. In Raiders of the Lost Ark, Indiana Jones said, it's not the years, it's the mileage. But what Ford is saying here is maybe that the mileage doesn't matter as much as we think it does. Aging really is a privilege. Doing it in the right way is a key to living a full and meaningful life. Let's think about how we think about aging. And then let's think about the way that we see people. A complaint often made by the elderly is that people just don't notice them. They even get dismissed because of their age. And we can all be guilty of this, especially if we deal with people a lot. The busy doctor in the casualty ward is told that there's a broken arm in cubicle six rather than recently widowed Mr. Smith, who's had a nasty fall. The shop assistant yawns, indifferent to the customer, who has just become another commodity. The minister looks out over the congregation, seeing just a crowd, recording Sunday morning attendance numbers and offering figures, not noticing real flesh-and-blood people with hopes, dreams, needs, and heartaches. The hunched figure wrapped in a thin sleeping bag in a doorway becomes a homeless statistic rather than a person with a name and a story. The great Jewish theologian Martin Buber spoke about dangerous temptation to treat people as objects rather than subjects. All around us today are people young, old, unique, needy, hopeful, hopeless, fascinating people. Let's notice them, whatever their age. See you next week. Lucas on Life.